CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. It's a cold day here on the East Coast, but we've got a hot show lined up for you. Here's what's on deck. It's a scary Halloween for many investors, but fear not. The savvy amongst us can take a different approach. That's why tonight we're dressing up as Count Trerians. <laughs> Carter Worth is looking to make a withdrawal from the blood banks. Professor Coe shows you another place to stake your claim. And Tony Zhang maintains home is where the coffin is. Get ready to risk less and make more. Options action starts now. That was super spooky. Um, Let's get right to it, starting with a troubling stat for the housing market as a flood of Americans flee from cities. Going to the suburbs, new data shows millions are behind on their mortgage and rent payments. And take a look at the Treasury market. Yields on the rise today even as stocks sold off. But if you're looking for a way to play both offense and defense on the rate moves, our chart master Carter Worth is laying out a contrarian call for your portfolio. So, Carter, take it away. You bet. I mean, you know, you don't think of financials as being certainly a safe haven or defensive. And yet, given uh, the action in the bond market and what we know is happening to yields, uh, and this is a follow-on really from the TLT trade of a week or so ago, we think it's very important to have a bet on regional banks. Let's look at a few charts. The first is the 10-year yield chart, and by all accounts, this is what a base is. I like to call it a bearish to bullish reversal, but forget what I call it. Uh, Something that stops going down, starts to base, and eventually curls up. You can see the moving average is now flat and ever so slightly starting to rise. That is an important development. Now, uh, take a look at the next chart. This is the KRE. It's, it's identical, meaning trend lines, whether you draw them or use an automated trend line, that's all that a moving average is, a change in trend is important. And more often than not, it's the beginning, not the end of something uh, that's underway. So the next chart is actually drawing the trend line. But the moving average does the same thing. The moment at which you break above this moving average in the KRE is the moment at which your 150 moving average actually flattens. So it's a simultaneous thing. One's, again, a trend line drawn. One is an automated trend line, a moving average. But the principles are the same. Uh, It's very developmental in terms of its uh, price action. And then um, take a look at this two-panel chart, the last uh, of the charts. Then I have a table. Now, this is what we just looked at. It's the KRE, and you can see the clear move above the downtrend line. But the bottom panel is relative performance to the actual S&P. And this is the part that's Uh, So interesting. Even as KRE has dipped uh, this week down, its relative performance to the market is making new intermediate highs, as seen in the bottom panel. And so just in numerical terms, the final slide here, on a one-month basis, S&P, you see there, down 2.6. But on top of that, and on top by a lot, regional banks up 10.5%. That's a very important development, and there's every indication uh, that this outperformance is likely to continue. All right, Carter, thanks for that. Mike, what's the trade-off of this? 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I heard BK at the tail end of FAST talk about the fact that he was actually inclined to get long TLT. You know, we often talk about what the options markets are implying. Oftentimes, we're just talking about volatility. How much is it going to move? Not so much the sentiment, but you can get that, too, when you take a look at the volatility surface. And right now, the options markets aren't agreeing with BK. They are definitely seeing some weakness, basically, in the entire fixed income space. If you look at TLT, LQD, HYG, everything seems to be implying higher rates. And higher rates are good for financials, and the options markets are also suggesting amidst all of the bearishness that we've seen over the last couple of days, actually that financials could go higher. Right now, XLF, for example, is implied to be and has a probability of actually rising over the next two weeks to two months or so. So I'm inclined to go along with Carter on that. Additionally, I would say that if there's safety in anything, sometimes there's safety in value, and the regional banks are relatively cheap. They're trading at about 0.75 times book. That's uh, pretty inexpensive under any circumstances. It's actually only about 20% above the credit crisis lows in terms of valuation, probably 13 times forward earnings. So if you look at it that way, maybe that's a good place to take a look as well. And right now, also, I would point out that short dated options prices in KRE are just about as high as they've been in quite a while. We've only seen two periods when they've been higher, actually, 2011 and earlier this year during the depths of the uh, pandemic, basically, uh, trough that we saw. So I think we want to use a trade we've seen a couple of times recently to take advantage of this scenario, and that's using a calendar spread. I was looking specifically at the November-January 43 call calendar. You could buy those January 43 calls and then sell the November 43 calls against it. When I was looking at that earlier today, you would have a debit of about $1.10, so a relatively small amount of the current level of KRE. And think about it this way. We're looking for a move up to that 43 level in the near term, but potentially much higher longer term after that November call expires in just a few weeks. And then we could look to roll that short position to a higher strike if implied volatility remains high. Tony, uh, what do you make of the trade? So I like the trade, um, and I think from all the charts, the one that really shines for me is the 10-year. Uh, the fact that it broke out above that 80 basis point level and continued to move higher. Uh, on the charts that Carter showed you, he showed you the 150-day moving average. Not only has it broken the 150, it's also broken the 200-day moving average. So you see the slow rotation in financials that have already been in place for about two months or so really start to accelerate as yields start to rise here. So I like this trade from a, from a fundamental perspective, and I specifically like the choice of using KRE versus XLF, as Mike's pointed out, um, because of the fact that you, you don't have uh, you know, some outsized exposure to some single names. You don't have Berkshire Hathaway. You don't have American Express, um, some of the names that are not as interest rate sensitive. And you just have a collection of regional banks, and I really like that. And the call calendar here, as Mike said, is more of a, uh, as Mike said for the KRE, is more of a value play here. And the calendar is really suitable for that because you have a relatively slow grind here to the upside. I specifically like Mike's strike prices of $43 on his calendar because you have a recent resistance here at that $43 level. And the November uh, 43 calls are offsetting more than half of the cost of the January 43 calls. So he's only risking about 2.5% of the ETF to take this bullish bet. So I like this on, on all accounts. All right, let's turn from banks to beds and couches and dining room tables and bookshelves. That's right, Wayfair reports earnings this coming Tuesday. If you're looking to get in on the action, pull up a chair because Tony is about to show you how to, assemb to, how to assemble a way to play it. Tony, take it away. 
Yeah, so we've talked about home builders here quite a bit over the past couple of uh, months here. But I really like Wayfair going into earnings next week because I really think Wayfair sits at the intersection of the shift that we've seen in consumer spending towards e-commerce and the shift we've seen in terms of spending for home improvement. So I think Wayfair is going to report fairly strong earnings numbers next week. Now, if we look at the chart itself, Wayfair has been in a bit of a range between 240 and 320 here to the upside since the beginning of August. And we're trading now at the bottom of that range. So I'm, I see earnings as the catalyst that it needs to, to bounce off this support level and we already saw some of that here intraday as uh, Wayfair tested that 240 low and bounced back higher towards that 250 level here. Now if we look at the um, the consumer spending on home improvement, we saw a bit of de deceleration towards the end of August. A lot of analysts started getting concerned, started uh, moving down valuations for some for names like Wayfair. But we've actually seen the this category of spending, if you look at Bank of America credit card data, hold very steady in the 25 to 30 percent gains versus last year uh, through September and through October. So I expect Wayfair to repair to report a fairly strong number here. Now. The markets are currently implying about a 16.4% move here due to the, uh, the implied move here from earnings, but the stock has actually moved a substantial amount, about 13.1% over the last eight quarters. So the stock can move quite a bit, but we have seen names that beat on earnings, not really move substantially higher here. So the trade structure that I'm using reflects not only the high implied volatility here, but also the fact that I do uh, expect this 240 support level to hold. So I'm going out to December, and I'm selling the 240, 210 put vertical here, collecting about $12.50 in credit, uh, collecting about $27.30 for that December 240 put, and paying about $14.80 for the December 210 puts. And this will collect roughly about 5% of the underlying stock's price through this credit spread, but it does require, it does collect about four, a little over 41% of the width of the credit spread. And those are the types of gains that I'm typically looking for when I'm selling a credit spread going to an earnings event like this. Yeah. Carter, I want to check in with you, see what you think about uh, Tony's Wayfair levels. Sure. I mean, the level is key, right? It's that intermediate low of September. I think the important thing here, and if, if the chart's on the screen, you can see it. I mean, Wayfair's sell-off from its 350 high back in August, it's a 30% decline. Now, that's a function of how strong it was before it sold off, right? I mean, a huge winner that's given back a certain percentage of those gains. But the key here is that its relative performance is not all that inspiring. And my hunch is that this is sort of range bound. It will need a catalyst to obviously get it going. But this is where it's important to use an options trade mm -hmm. because uh, getting long the stock outright, it might not actually play out. Yeah. Mike, what do you think of Tony's trade? So I think there's a couple things to like about it. First of all, as you pointed out, the implied move, as big as the moves have been historically, is very high at 16 plus percent. And we like to take opportunities to sell options premium when they're elevated as they are here. I also like the fact that he's using a spread to do it. That helps mitigate the risk in an otherwise sort of volatile market condition. You know, there is one other thing I would add. You know, we often say when everybody's looking up, look down, and when everybody's looking down, look up. Such is the case here in Wayfair. This is a stock that has 14 buys, but it also has 13 holds and six sells. And mm -hmm. on Wall Street's terms, that's essentially everybody's throwing the thing out. And when everybody is looking that uh, way at the stock, so askance at it perhaps, then maybe this is an opportunity to make a bullish bet. And I think using a put spread is a risk-mitigated way, taking advantage of elevated options premium to do exactly that. Yeah. Last word to you, Tony, on this trade. 
Uh, I would just say that from my perspective, you know, especially with the rising COVID cases, there is a continuing focus to work from home. And I think this concept of going back to the office is unlikely going to happen anytime this year or maybe even the majority of next year. So I think home improvement spending, working on your house, setting up your office, that's the strength that I see here in Wayfair. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. This Halloween... The Markets, a horror movie any way you turn. But quick, over here, Professor Cole has another hiding spot. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Right before the break, Cohen Carter laid out a way to take advantage of the bond breakdown and protect your portfolio. But if banks aren't in your bag, you might be looking for another way to do the same thing. Well, you are in luck because the chartmaster and the professor are teaming up again for a solid gold trade with their call to action. So, Carter, kick it off. You bet. Uh, gold uh, treasuries are not uh, providing safety here during the equity route, going down substantially this week in Chicago. Uh, gold and gold miners, it's a place to be. Let's look at a few charts. So here's the GDX, the ETF that you can use for trading uh, all gold miners rather than having idiosyncratic risk by picking one. Uh, no annotations by me, no judgments made. Next chart. What I want to point out is the sequencing. We know the GDX bottomed in March with the general equity market at $16 a share. We know it peaked in August at 46 and it made a low recently at 36 now think about those numbers, 16 to 46, back to 36. Take a look at the next chart. What we have here is a very sort of orderly circumstance. The move from the March low to the August high, it's a $30 uh, dollar move, 30 bucks per share. The give back is 10. That's a ratio, of course. That's exactly a one-third give back. Often things, after giving back a certain percentage, a third, uh, find support. Well, let's speak to that. Look at the next chart. We are down to an important level of support as drawn. And then finally, last chart, we are consolidating, biding time. We know that on the week of August 7th, gold had gone up nine weeks in a row. That has only happened four times in the history of the data. And what follows thereafter is just this, pause, refresh, give back. But we think the give back exactly three months long now, the rest is over and the next directional move in gold and gold miners is up, not down. Okay, so Mike, what's the trade-off of this? Beginning to sound like a broken record, but obviously short-dated options premiums are extremely elevated. Uh, Longer-dated premiums are much lower. We are particularly seeing this on the put side. An important thing to remember is that a stock can only be at one price at any given time. Why do I say this? Because I think the way to play this is to sell the November 3640 strangle and then use those pro proceeds to help finance the purchase of a January 38 call. So what's going on here? We get to own that call, have these near dated options help offset the decay that you're going to experience. 
taking a look at the support levels that we might see in GDX to the downside. That's the put that we're selling. And of course, we're selling an upside call. So you can think about this as essentially a call diagonal uh, risk reversal of sorts, where basically we're trying to take advantage as much as we can of the fact that November premiums are so elevated. I think this is something you can do not only in this security, but in others where you have a sort of similar directional thesis and you see implied volatilities setting up the same way. Tony, what are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, so this trade can be quite intimidating, even for an experienced options trader. But I do think that this is a very creative way of utilizing options to take advantage, as Mike said, of the short-term implied volatility that's relatively elevated and be able to buy a longer-dated option that's relatively cheaper to purchase. So if we look at this from, from, a short, from the perspective of you're effectively selling a short strangle to finance a longer-term call option, from that perspective, if you look at the short strangle separately, I do think that depending on where, this, where GDX opens on Monday, you might want to adjust the strikes a little bit. I think I would use 35 and a half, 39 and a half so that I have a 30 delta strangle on that. And then I would buy the January uh, 38 calls as Mike suggested here. But the main concern that many investors have with selling strangles is the fact that you have a fair amount of risk here. But just to put that into perspective, if GDX was to decline a little over 10% down to 33 and a half, this strategy is only looking at about $240 approximately of loss per contract, which is far a cry from the 3,600 max risk that you have with this type of trade. So investors that are concerned, think about breaking it up into different ways so that you can better understand the strategy. Mm, that's a good tip. Uh, Carter, should we make much of the fact that gold itself, the metal, um, didn't do much this week in, the, in a week where the markets were, were down decisively? Uh, I don't think so. I think the, the, the important thing is in, in, in a route today, yet again, gold stocks, equities were up. Yeah. Mike, last word on this trade. Yeah, I mean, the last thing to think about, you know, one of the reasons perhaps that gold didn't do quite so well was one of the things we saw was some Fed bond buying on the long end. And obviously, mm. if they depress uh, those rates, that obviously has an, an impact as well. But, you know, I, I think what you're looking at here is a situation where you would potentially be put GDX at a lower level, trying to take this is as much an options trade and a hedge against everything else that's going on as I think you're going to find. So it's a, it's a little bit more complicated than some of the things we talk about. But uh, for those that are ready to dig into gold a little bit, I think this is a way they could look at it. All right. Up next, you asked. We are going to answer. The options traders are standing by to take your video tweets on air. So don't go anywhere. Much more options action next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Michael from Virginia is looking for an election trade. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I love the show and I listen to your podcast every night. My question is, has the markets priced in a Biden win? If so, how would you trade SPY as an options trader? Thank you. Hmm. Carter, any thoughts here for Michael? Well, the, the, the question is, of course, priced in a Biden win. Is a Biden win good or bad for the market? There's all sorts of reports being put out how a Trump win is good, but then a blue wave is good. Well, there'll be tax cuts or no tax hikes if Trump wins, but then if Biden wins, there'll be more spending. Uh, the truth is, what the market's not priced for 
is a contested election. And uh, the VIX is still very elevated. My inclination is to tread with caution, and I'd rather be short the spies uh, or buy puts on spies than be long. All right. Well, out west, Matt from San Diego is watching one top streaming stock. Hey, Options Action. Netflix is currently trading on the bottom of its four-month range. With COVID numbers going up, as well as restrictions and lockdowns being put back in place all around the world, do you think that Netflix could make a push to test its all-time highs again? Hmm. Mike, what do you tell Matt? I don't know if it's going to result in new subs for Netflix, but I will say this. It has the same volatility dynamic as so many other places, and yet there's no catalyst, which is very odd. Near-dated options premiums, very high. Longer-dated, much lower. But you'd have to go out to February to buy your call options because that captures the next earnings, which is January 22nd. Then sell some November calls against it and keep doing that. I think that's the way if you're inclined to make bullish bets on Netflix to play it here. Tony, your thoughts on Netflix? Yeah, I agree. Subscriber growth has really slowed down here. If you saw uh, the earnings announcement that just came out, international subscribers down quite a bit. So I'm not as bullish here, but I do think that if you look, you're looking for that longer-term grind, that range-bound trade, Mike's calendar makes a lot of sense. I am no chartist, that's for sure, Carter, but that chart doesn't look that great. Well, it's, it's, it's churning, let's say that, right? We know that it's a high volatility but range-bound. And the risk here, of course, is that it breaks to the downside from the range in which it's been in. Not bad for first time out. All right, up next, we got the final call. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxton Worth, what do you say? Based on the thesis that rates are going higher, we want to be long KRE, the spider regional bank ETF, and based on the fact that treasuries are not offering a place to hide, long GDX, gold miners. Tony. If you look at credit card data, it supports my thesis that consumer spending on e-commerce and home furnishing continues to be strong. I like Wayfair going into earnings, so I'm selling a December put vertical. Mike. The options markets don't like bonds. They think rates are going higher, and they also like financials, so I'm with Carter on KRE to the upside, and we want to use a lot of calendars and diagonals in that market and many others. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Happy and safe Halloween. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.